Hello and welcome to the Daddy Saturday podcast. I'm your host, Justin Batt. I'm also the founder and chief dad officer of Daddy Saturday and the Daddy Saturday Foundation. Through this podcast, it is our pleasure to bring you amazing dads and experts who can give you tips, tricks, even dad hacks to become a better dad, raise good kids that become great adults. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Stay tuned every single week as we bring you incredible guests. And this week we have none other than Daniel Luzonis, who is an amazing, amazing individual. So excited to have him with us today. He's a child acceleration specialist, homeschooling coach, math genius teacher, and he's also a great podcaster. In fact, I had the distinct honor and pleasure of being, I believe, the very first guest on Daniel's podcast ever. He normally does solo casts. Um, he's a husband, he's an incredible father to two kids, and I cannot wait to dive in and for you all to hear about this incredible educational platform that Daniel's really built out and how he's helping a lot of families, as well as his own kids, really become good kids that become great adults. So Daniel, so good to have you on the podcast today. Great to be here. It's not often that I get to speak to uh, an intentional father. <laughs> well, two intentional fathers, then we should, we should have a, good, a lot of good things to talk about today. Now, did you grow up thinking you were going to be an intentional father? You know, I um, grew up knowing I wanted to be a father. I, didn't, I don't know that I thought about the word intentional until I got into it and was well into the mix and realized that I wasn't where I wanted to be as a father. And that's what I found that helped me turn things around. Well, I didn't, I didn't have any vision when I was a kid other than being the, a point guard for the Boston Celtics, notwithstanding the fact that I was short and white and struggling to make the team in high school. So that was my vision. I didn't even think about marriage or kids or any of that stuff. And I think that was one of the problems is that it wasn't discussed. It wasn't exactly on the school curriculum. And my parents didn't discuss it with me either. They, they never said to me, one day you're going to have a family and A, B, and C, and X, Y, and Z. They really didn't. And I think a lot of girls grow up with the, the belief that they're going to be married and have kids, but, but dads very, very rarely think that way. I mean, I don't know any that actually would say that they thought about having kids when they were 15 or 16 years old. I don't know any, honestly. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I mean, and when I say it, I just, I knew that I wanted to have a family or be a dad, right? But I didn't sit there and ponder over what being a dad would be like or what kind of dad I would be. Um, I just envisioned playing with my kids as my dad played with me, I guess, you know, on the ball field would be the only thing. I think you're also right. My wife is in the bridal industry, Daniel, and so she gets to to talk to all these brides, and it's amazing to hear that you know, they've envisioned their wedding day down to the the minute details from the time that they were three years old, right? And women just think differently about those things than most men do. And I think you're you're also correct. That's probably part of the problem that we as men don't often set the vision for what we want to be as parents or fathers when, when we grow up. Well, they have too much vision, right? <laughs> They're at the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> when I proposed to my wife, she, she instantly pulled out uh, out of a drawer the list of wedding guests. It was already, and who knows how long it was there and how many iterations and evolutions it had over the years, but she had it written down on a piece of paper. So, uh, you know, what 1% of, of entrepreneurs and adults have their goals written down? Well, I think a lot of the girls have their guest lists and <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing that's so great well daniel so let's talk a little bit about your your background you know you've you've done some incredible things with your kids and talk about being intentional i mean you, you came into this and and recognized that you have some unique abilities in math yourself and have just accelerated your learning in in the math space in particular but then you decided to pass it on to your kids and some of the things that you did with your son john are just astonishing 
if I can read a couple here, I mean, he was 3.625 years old. I love how you, you expand the decimals there. And in one and a half years, he went from counting to finishing all of sixth grade math. And by 5.125 years old, he was doing algebra. And by seven years old, he was doing calculus. And, um, you know, where's he at now? And, and what made you decide to pour into your kids in the way that you did from an educational standpoint? Okay, so at, at eight, I kind of looked around and I had to make the hard decision to quit math. So he was probably halfway through calculus. I had slowed down and uh, I knew that calculus was a dead end. But I, I, you know, when you're a hammer, everything's a nail. I, I taught math because that's what I knew. And I was also, I wouldn't say curious, but I, I wanted to see, I wanted to prove probably to myself more than to anyone else that, uh, or at least discover how much potential these kids had. And so I was just, I was just kind of on all adrenaline. But I had to at, least, at some point uh, stop and say, well, what's the end goal here? And so we quit math at eight. He's done very little math since eight. And then when he was 12, I had him take the ACT. He took the ACT at 11, and he took the ACT at 12. So four years after he quit math, he still got a 35 out of 36, I believe, on the ACT, the math section of the ACT. So 99th percentile or 98th, whatever that 35 out of 36 is, four years after he quit math. And so we don't do math anymore. In fact, he was on TV and he got asked that question, you know, what do you do for math anymore? He said, well, you know, I, I stopped math at age eight and the, the, the TV host says, so all you're going to, all you do now is count the money because yeah, we've moved on to chess. <laughs> we moved on to chess and piano and travel, international travel. And most recently, you know, he's almost 15 years old. It's almost all entrepreneurship. So math to me was a stepping stone as it should be. It shouldn't be dragged out for, for 12 years or so. And uh, look, I love math. I could teach math all day long. I would teach math for free. I don't, of course, but I love math that much. But it's still, you know, just because you love something, whether it's football, basketball, whatever, if it's not the end game, it doesn't make you a complete individual. And you have to, at some point, uh, change your focus. So that's just, that's just a math story, really. So, so I'm interesting, interested in this conversation because I think that there's, it's something that as a parent of four children I struggle with, and I'm sure many of our listeners also struggle with, and it's kind of the breakdown of the education system. And there's many parents that are just challenged with, they know that their kids deserve more, want more, need more than what they're getting in their standard education environment, whether that be public school or even potentially a private school. Um, homeschool may, may or may not be an option. You may have an opinion on that. But I'd love to hear you just kind of weigh in on the current state of, of education as you see it today. And, and maybe why did you decide to pull your kids out of that and, and hack that system, if you will? All right. So there's a lot in there. We, we, we could spend two hours on that. Let me just back it up a sec. So my story is, is that I just accidentally started doing uh, workbooks with my son. My wife brought him home one day and I just we slid the breakfast dishes over and we just started on them. And I liked his progress every day. And so, like I said earlier... I use the word adrenaline. I like the momentum. And so I just kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And that's the only reason I did it. I, I have clients and customers and people in my orbit now who understand that kids have infinite potential and they're following, they have one-year-old kids or zero-year-old kids and they're already consuming this stuff and reorienting their brain and their, uh, their mindset and their home so that they can actually do what I did. I didn't have any of that. I stumbled upon it serendipitously. Now, at the same time, uh, while I was discovering this with about my son and that kids have more potential than, than anybody believes, I started to educate myself. So you have to go back into the early stages of the internet in Google. 
And what I started doing was I started Googling and I started blogging. And I realized that I learn, was learning more from Google and from blogging. I wasn't getting paid to blog. Nobody was forcing me to blog. I was just sharing what I learned, trying to be funny, trying to be creative, trying to be productive, put something out in the world and get a reaction get a catalytic reaction from it. I was just doing this all on my own. I realized that I was learning so much more from that than I learned throughout my whole life, including my Ivy League education. And so I started to get a little angry. I started to start to think that, you know, my education was a bill of goods and that I hadn't even scratched the surface of my own potential. So there were two stories going on simultaneously. One, I was discovering that kids had a lot of potential. I never even asked a question. So I went to an Ivy League college, majored in math and economics, practical majors, graduated early, and got a job trading derivatives on the Philadelphia Stock Exchange at the age of 21. And by all outward appearances, everybody would say, look, you're crushing life. You've got the education, you've got the career path, the trajectory. I was trading derivatives in the middle of the stock market right when the NASDAQ was blowing up in 97, 98, 99. So everyone would, would think that I was crushing it, but I knew deep inside that I had only tapped a, a, a fraction of my potential. I knew that there were huge Swiss cheese size holes in my education. So this is, this is again, this is the dual path of my realization that, that I didn't live up to my potential. And I, I could see that my kids, I did not want my kids to wake up when they were 30 years old and say, wow, I have a very incomplete education. And this was kind of all going on internally in my mind. And this was the fuel that led me to push my kids through workbooks, to start to experiment with what I call extreme screen detox, and ultimately to, you know, to keep my kids out of school and put them on a, a very, very unique path. I didn't really have anybody that I could follow. The homeschooling world and the internet, the, the information that was out there was not very well developed when I started this about 10 years ago. A lot has changed since then, but I really had to forge my own path. And, and that's a little bit of the backstory on, as to how it happened. So I love the backstory and I, I, there's so many things that just I can relate to. And a lot of it's very similar to how I stumbled upon Daddy Saturday and just decided to make a wholesale change in the way that I approached my kids with intentionality as we discussed. And you know, I think that we have very similar personalities that we're kind of all in and we love adrenaline and momentum and some of those key words that you, you hit on. What would you say to some of the, the, the listeners that are out there, Dan, that are just struggling with this concept and saying, you know, where do I even start? How do I jump into this? If I want something similar for my kids, I have the vision for, I want them to go. I just don't even know how to start walking on that journey. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't answer the second part of your question. So let me see if I can weave the two, my answer with that. You're asking about the breakdown of the education system. Well, the idea of an education system is, is flawed, right? The, the systems are designed to turn out commoditized products at, at cheap prices. And that's, you can't fix a system. The system is designed. You can't fix our education system because it's designed to do what I just said, just create everybody, treat everybody the same and turn out uh, kids who are stamped with a born on date. And so the idea that you could go in and you could remove common core or you could get rid of some of the politics from the schools and you could fix schools is, is just, I mean, it's, you'd have to unpack it, have to spend a lot of time on it, but it, it's not even possible. I think the most important thing that, that mom and dads should do who are struggling is to do what I did or what a lot of people are doing more and more is look at their own education and, and look at the things that they weren't taught and just inter inject them into their own kids' lives and spend a lot of, you know, bend over backwards, uh, 
do whatever they can to do it. Now, I can just give you one weird example. Like my parents used to go out dancing every weekend and they were polka dancing. You know, they're, they're Polish on both sides, my family, and they never, ever taught us to dance. Now, I couldn't believe that. You know, dancing is like something that's brought them tons of joy throughout their life, but they, they never taught us that. I know parents who play the piano who don't teach their kids the piano, right? Like I've taught math to my kids because I knew math, not because of, of any other reason. Like I was a hammer. That was my one skill. And I made sure that I taught them that. Now, as I've gotten older and I've realized that entrepreneurship is like this thing that was lacking and a lot of parents out there, like, you know, they wish they had more money and time leverage themselves. Well, what are you going to do about it with your kids? You don't put them on the same exact path that you were on. Figure out how you can interject uh, or inject is the word uh, entrepreneurship in your kid's life. And there's a million ways you can do that. Like, for example, you can make them pay for their own iPhone. I guarantee you these kids who want an iPhone more than anything else, if you tell them they can get one, but they have to pay for it, they will figure out how to pay for that iPhone. So there's, between doing what I do and doing nothing, there's a huge spectrum of opportunity. There's so many things you can do. In fact, my daughter at 13, she just bought her own iPhone and she bought the insurance on it and it was $800. And she, she bought it with all her own money, her own earned money. So there are a lot of things that parents can do, but it starts with, I think, this burning ambition that they don't want their kids to end up like themselves. Now, look, that can be, that's like a coaching question. That, that's like one of these questions that people, a lot of people don't want to look in the mirror and don't want to ask themselves that question. Or don't, don't want to admit that their education stinks, that their life isn't everything they dreamed it would be. And one, I think one of my advantages is I have no problem at, at criticizing myself. I have no problem at saying, uh, you know, I went to an Ivy League school and it was crap and it was meaningless. And I spend all day and all week trying to convince people not to do what I did because I don't want them to make the same mistake. But you have to start with an ambition and you have to start with a little bit of negativity. Like, this is what I don't want for my kids. This is, this is what I don't want them to. These are the regrets that I don't want to have myself as a parent and I don't want them to have as kids. Yeah, you know, it's, it's so interesting. And I think that there's... Um, there's so much to unpack in that. And, and I look at um, Gary Vaynerchuk's a great example, right? Gary V has been very much like you negative about his educational experience. And um, he recently kind of just retracted a little bit and said that um, he now didn't just school just didn't fail him. He also failed school, right? And they're, they're kind of the two go together. And I think as parents, we have the opportunity to teach our kids, not just in the school setting, but clearly outside of that as well. And there's so many lessons that they, they can learn. I mean, you're helping your kids not only thrive from an educational standpoint, but now they're learning to be entrepreneurs. John's written a book, right? I have the Kid Trillionaire book right in front of me right here. He signed it for me. Um, I need to send him a check because he gave me this one. I need to buy one from him. But, you know, amazing what you've been able to do with your kids. So I think there's lots of little lessons in the margins we can teach our kids. It doesn't always have to be just about the education system. And that's what I really pulled out from what you said is that, so often parents think they need to make this wholesale change. Maybe you don't need to make a wholesale change. And there are other things you can do that are smaller that can make a, a big impact. You know, I also look at your two kids. So you've got um, John and Christine. And so when you look at the differences between the two, I mean, I, I see a lot of John. Um, you know, Christine seems to be a little more behind the scenes. Maybe talk about how you balance the differences in your own kids underneath this system. Yeah, they're, they're very different. And um, they have... Look, if you have five kids, all five of them are going to be different. John is actually, John will do whatever you tell him to do. And my daughter will almost not 
So one, and, and I mean this in a positive way, uh, John is not self-motivated. Christine is incredibly self-motivated. She wants something, she locks eyes on it and she does it. Now look, Christine, uh, she bought her own iPhone. Um, let me just give you one story about her. In December, she, she got the, an email saying, hey, your soccer team is planning a trip to France. And she says, hey, can I go with my soccer team to France? Now, okay, this is New York City. This is, this is going to France in the summer. It's going to cost about $3,500 probably with spending money and everything. And we, my wife and I said to her, we said, yeah, you can go if you pay for it. Well, in about four or five months, she earned you know, over $3,000 and she ended up paying for her own trip to France. She posted, uh, uh, she posted ads on our building forum saying she babysit, she'd teach piano, she'd be mother's helper. And she hustled her butt off and she earned that money. So she, <laughs> this is pretty amazing actually for a 12 year old to do at the time. And she went and she had that trip and you know, she's still hustling. So she's different. Now look, all these kids are different. And if you have one child who is highly self-motivated, like I would say Gary Vaynerchuk, very self-motivated. Sometimes the challenge with them, or not sometimes, but the challenge with them is to get them to slow down and read and learn from the experience of others. And with my son, who's, who's like, he will sit here and he will do 16 hour days. If you give him work to do, he has no problem doing it. But he, if you leave him alone, he won't do anything. So the challenge with one is to get them to slow down and learn from others, become more others motivated. And with my son, it's, it's the opposite. He needs to actually learn how to motivate himself. He needs to get up and write his goals and he needs to plan out his day. He needs to hold himself accountable. And look, I, I have never had a, 14, a 13 year old and a 14 year old until just this minute. So I'm learning as I go. And I think that's the way it goes. I mean, you have four kids. I, I, I wouldn't even know what to tell you to do with four kids. Uh, everyone's situation is different. Everyone's work situation is different. Uh, the parameters that uh, inform what we can do and can't do are, 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 are all different. And like the overlap between homeschooling and parenting and entrepreneurship, the overlap is huge. Because we're, we're trying to remove risk, we're trying to do new things, we're trying to individualize instruction, we're trying to incentivize, and we're doing a lot of different things simultaneously. And again, going back to when we were kids, we didn't dream of being parents, we had no idea what it would be like. And also, when we were young parents, we thought having two and three-year-old kids was going to be hell, excuse my language, and that it would get easier. It doesn't get easier, it gets more complicated, it gets more multidimensional. <laughs> As they get older, the stakes get higher and higher. And it just, you know, you just have to get up every day with almost like, like you and I are both Christians. It, it, you have to have uh, overriding philosophy and belief system that, that, that informs what you're going to do every day. And then you just do the best that you absolutely can. If I can just add one thing, uh, going back to the the idea of what can a parent do who's struggling with educating their kids or instilling values or, uh, or whatever, anything that we're all struggling with, you do one thing, like you get them to pay for their iPhone and you watch them do it. And, and you know what that does when it works out, when you see something, when you see a positive uh, effect from something that you intentionally did, what that does is it emboldens you to, to do another and another and another. So everything, the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. It's the same way with parenting. And no parent is hopeless. No parent uh, is, is lacks for resources. We can all do something today, new, different, and better than we did, yet, than we did yesterday. And I, I encourage people, a lot of what I do is, is encouraging and inspiring parents just to be 
you know, a little bit better today. So you said something so important in there that I want to pull out. And, and it's, you said that we're all different. Every situation is different, but there's one thing that we all have as parents. That's exactly the same. And you have done a phenomenal job of it. And I can just hear it as you describe both of your kids and the level of detail with which you can state their personality and what drives them, what motivates them. And, you know, it's that observation of, of who your kids are and, and what moves them, what inspires them, what drives them. And you've clearly spent a lot of time learning your kids. You even use the word learning. So, so talk to me about that because I think that's so important. And so many parents, we miss the moments. We miss those opportunities just to sit back and watch our kids and observe them and to learn those little idiosyncrasies that you've pulled out of your two kids. Well, it is a process. And um, as men who are married to women, um, I tell people, look, you don't even, you can't even possibly understand your parents until you're married. Uh, you, you can't possibly understand women until you're married. And then, oh, when you have a daughter, you will learn things about women <laughs> that you had no idea. And you'll see, you, you will literally see from grandmother uh, to mother to daughter, you will see things you, that you just were always there staring you in the face. And now they're a parent and they weren't a parent before. And um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm still, I'm still scratching the surface on them. And the, the tough thing is the kids evolve, right? I mean, they hit puberty, they get new friends, they have d different dreams. They, you, people move. I've moved, I think we've moved eight times as a family. Uh, we, we're constantly uh, in a state of flux. And again, I go back to being an entrepreneur. If you, if you have some crazy entrepreneurial uh, career, you've got competition and change hitting you from every single direction. And, and, and this, is, this is what we face as parents. And so what do you do in the face of that? Well, I get up at 4 a.m., right? I, this, is, this is like a killer, a killer hack. You get up early. You take care of your body. You, for me, right now, it's my stretching. You take care of your time with God. Uh, you, just, you just relax. You go outside. You get your coffee. And then, then you have a little bit of, of currency and personal momentum um, to handle you know, the inevitable that's going to hit you that day. Like, for example, like right now, my wife is struggling with, she has a knee injury. And uh, I believe she's got a torn meniscus or maybe a torn ACL. And it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. We live in New York City. We, we depend on, on walking. She can't work out anymore, which, which uh, was a big part of, of her outlet from work, doing CrossFit and stuff. And, you know, there's a ripple effect. One little thing happens, somebody gets cancer, you have a visitor in town, and look, the inevitable is going to happen every day. And, and you need uh, as much possible, I mean, as a head of the household, as a father or as a mother, you need as much currency, as much personal power as, as you can muster every single day. And so, like, I, I, my thing, you got, I know you start early too. You've got to start early. Now, getting back to learning from your kids, I, I don't know what to say about that. It's just every time I think I know them, something else hits me. <laughs> <laughs> We're never graduating as parents. And, you know, there's an expression that says the problem is the kids stop being kids, but the parents never stop being parents, right? So your, your child is going to be 35 and you're still going to be worried about them. You're still going to be trying to 
I want to say manipulate, but you're still going to be trying to point them towards savvy decisions in your, in your eyes. <laughs> we never, we're never going to stop being parents. It's like till the day we die. So you call it currency. I call it margin or breathing room, but we, we say the same thing and it's, it's changed my life and I, it sounds like it's changed yours. And I think that is, if there's one thing you take away from this entire podcast or conversation, it's that it's so important to start your day with margin, breathing room, currency for yourself as a parent. And that allows you the space to then learn and observe and be there for your kids and whatever your situation is. So Daniel, I mean, that is a phenomenal point and, and so dead on. Thank you so much for, for bringing that. And I have to learn that uh, on probably once a week basis. If I don't get up early for whatever reason, and I don't get, you know, if I don't knock over my lead dominoes personally, I feel the tension in my back. I have that, that stress, that latent stress in the brain, and it just, it just haunts me. I'm the same way. We had family in town um, last night, and I got, had to get started early this morning, and I missed my, my early morning, and so I got to make it up this afternoon later on, and you know, I'm not the same. And so it, you're, you're absolutely right. And once you have that routine built in, it becomes critical. And the other thing I think it's also interesting, I, I would love to, to, to hear your feedback on this, but it sounds like you and your wife are both very active physically and engaged in your own personal health. Have you seen some of that translate to your kids? We know that far more is caught than taught. So have your kids started to also maybe wake up a bit earlier or incorporate some of those habits into their lives? Well, John, John wakes up early. But but they have, again, my kids are at opposite ends of the physical spectrum. My daughter is the athlete and my son is not. In fact, he moves away from healthy food. He recoils at what he calls, uh, well, veg he calls vegetables choking hazards. And, <laughs> and he, you know, it, it, given the chance to sit and read a book or move, he'll always read a book. I used to throw him outside and he'd be under a tree reading a book. And so my two kids are different uh, physically christine just naturally moves her body and she loves she'll play soccer she'll do double sessions she'll do everything and my son not so much so again i don't i do i do not want my son leaving my house with a negative view towards uh, physicality and so this is like a, a a huge priority for my wife and i how, how do we get him uh, to, to to go work out by himself and look Again, one thing I learned about him was that if the kids were playing soccer at the park, he would run around all day long. But if he was by himself, you know, he wouldn't do it. So he needs a little bit of a social component in order to move his body. Um, but yeah, my wife and I, we, one of the reasons we moved to New York City was so that my kids could have some automatic walking. We lived in London without a car, and I lost a lot of weight just by not sitting at 90 degrees in the car and by walking four miles a day, because that's what you have to do to get places. And one of the main reasons I moved to New York City two, two years ago from the suburbs was that I wanted my kids, especially my son, to have some forced physical activity. And while the air here in New York City is not healthy to breathe and there are rats scurrying out underfoot, um, people in New York walk a lot and, they, and they're, they're much thinner than they are in the rest of the country because they have to walk. And so like you, you have to hack everything, right? You have to, yeah, whatever the issue is, like I said, for my son, it's, it's physicality. You have to think, how can I get him involved in that? Now, let me just share another example. I found out that he really likes uh, ballroom dancing. Now ballroom dancing is huge. He might not like to throw the ball. He might not be a, a 
a traditional, you know, team sport kind of guy, but he, he loves ballroom dancing. He loves hiking. There are things your child who you can't get to do something one way. There are other ways you can try to get them to do it. And again, this is our job as intentional, ambitious parents. Uh, there's a quote, I believe it's from Thomas Edison. He says, whenever you think you've thought of everything, remember you haven't. Whenever you think you've tried everything, remember you haven't. And again, this is one of the things that I do with parents is, is I try to encourage them to just keep thinking and keep working. It goes back to the concept of you just have such a great way of being attuned to trying to solve the problems or the situations or circumstances that are presented in, in your household with your own kids. And I think that is so important, again, that you're taking the time to slow down to look at your kids and to say what's important to them. When I, when I was in healthcare, we had this concept of motivational interviewing, they called it, and they used it on patients. A lot of them were smokers would be a great example. And the importance of behavioral change. They talked a lot about instead of saying what motivates you, it's for what are you motivated, right? And if you can change that, and so instead of saying to your kids what motivates you, it's for what are they motivated? So to your point, John may have that social component that that's for what he is motivated, right? He wants to be in a social environment and to make friends and to meet new people and to connect with others. And therefore, if you understand that, that makes that whole exercise component that much easier because you brought those two things together. And it's not like, hey, get up, go to the gym, right? You're combining what for what he is motivated. And you've just done a phenomenal job of that. So again, thank you for that. So valuable, so valuable, Dan. You, um, You've got this knack for really being able to um, break down problems. And maybe it comes from your math brain. I don't know. But you've got an, a really great way about you. It's that strategery, the, the, strat, the chess player in you maybe. Um, so I appreciate that about you. And I think that's extremely valuable and can see why you're such a great teacher. Well, the, it, is, it does. Well, there is an overlap there with the math when I would get a math question and I taught myself math, my, my teachers didn't teach me this. Uh, my math background is, is steeped in competition. In fact, uh, when I was in high school, I was captain of my math team and we won the, the new England championship. And what I take pride in was that all these kids were way smarter than me. I just outworked them. I just outworked them. And when I had a problem, I, it tortured my ego that I couldn't solve it. I took it as a personal challenge to my ego. And so I would wrestle with problems for a long period of time. And it, I see life the same way. When there's a problem, whether somebody has a bunion on their foot or where they have a marital problem, I'm like, how can it be solved? How can it be solved? What, what can we do? And I do not, I refuse to believe that, that nothing can be solved or, not, or that problems are unsolvable. I, I really believe that. And going back to what you said about motivation. I think it was Brendan Burchard or Tony Robbins. One of these guys says, you know, focusing on motivation is the wrong thing. Motivation should come from your goals. Like if you're not getting up motivated in the morning, then you need new goals because your goals are supposed to automatically and organically motivate you towards them. Right. So yeah, I agree with you that, um, it, you can't just tell a child to be motivated. You have to, there has to be a connection there with, um, motivation for what? <laughs> what are you going to get out of it, right? You can't, you can't assign motivation any more than you can assign algebra. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, even we talk about getting up early, right? It's not, it's not necessarily what time you get up, it's how you get up, right? That is really important. And you know, that attitude and the way that you approach things is, is absolutely imperative. Well, Dan, this has been a phenomenal conversation. A couple of questions as we, as we get into the closing comments here. So you have a 
you know, you built a business out of this. And I'd love for you to share just a little bit with our listeners around um, one, if they wanted to engage with you, I'm happy for you to give a plug. I, I believe in what you do. I think that what you offer is incredible. Um, just the content here in this short 25 minutes we've been together has been insane. So tell a little bit about your businesses and how others can connect and contact with you. Well, when we started doing this at some point, maybe 10 years ago, maybe eight years ago, my wife said, well, if we're going to be all in on homeschooling and educating our kids that we, sh we should build a business out of it too. Why would you just, you know, why would you just do it for yourself and, and, and not share it with them? Why would you learn these things, discover these tactics and hacks and all this and not make a business out of it? And why would you do anything and not bring money in that you need? And we live in Manhattan right now. It's not, it's not exactly cheap here. So that was kind of the, the seed of it, but I was still trading derivatives off and on for years before uh, I transitioned. And I was still a parent of young kids before I transitioned out of Wall Street type of stuff and into teaching other kids. And so the first step was I started teaching math to basically tiger parents. A lot of Asians uh, in here in New York City, or not in New York City, but on Long Island and whatnot. And uh, I would send them a video of my son deriving the quadratic formula when he was six years old. And they just about would, you know, open their wallets. They're like, well, we want you teaching our kid. And so I started out just teaching math. And then it evolved towards uh, homeschool coaching. And I have a whole framework of, look, if you want the ideal educational curriculum, if you want the ultimate uh, educational curriculum for your kids, I'm going to put it all together. And it took me three years to put it all together. I call it the Einstein blueprint. It's not the Dan blueprint. It's success reverse engineered from the greats throughout history. Uh, Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos, Abraham Lincoln, Helen Keller, Oprah Winfrey. It's, it's reverse. It's looking at what they did to become successful and saying, well, why don't we just start? Why don't, why don't we let these people teach our kids? Why, why aren't they the teachers of our kids instead of somebody who just happens to be uh, the accredited teacher down the street. And so that was when the skeleton of what's, what I call the Einstein blueprint was born. And again, I didn't know any of this stuff when I was teaching my kids. And it just turns out that what's best practice in life and in business, <laughs> best practice is best practice. And you see lots of recurring themes. And there is, in fact, hiding in plain sight, there is a, a a roadmap, a blueprint on how to unlock the full potential of our kids. And so uh, I have several different ways that I help people, but the best thing, the best direction I can point your listeners is towards my podcast. Just go to listen to the Einstein Blueprint podcast. Uh, there are over 400 episodes there. Yes, Justin was the very first guest that I allowed on that show and uh, on my show. And um, just go there, and from there, you'll hear more about what I'm doing and the story behind it and where you may fit in. A lot of my work uh, revolves around, at one end, revolves around toddler acceleration. I have three-year-old students who, whom I teach one-on-one -on -one math to, and I also uh, are at the other end of the spectrum with my son through his product, kidsgetrich.com, uh, or his, his website, his, his brand, kidsgetrich.com, and his book. Uh, teaching older kids entrepreneurship on the end game. So I believe in the beginning game strongly, and I believe in the end game strongly, and everything in between. I also do homeschool coaching. Uh, right now, homeschooling is getting another huge boost because a lot of states are changing laws on uh, vaccinations. I mean, homeschooling has been growing, I wouldn't say exponentially, but geometrically for years now, 
a couple of the states just are getting rid of uh, or forcing more vaccinations on families than they had in the past, removing religious exemptions and whatnot. And so homeschooling is getting another huge boost from people in addition to the, the natural annual boost it gets from families who are dissatisfied with a school system that is not unlocking their kids' full potential and that is not congruent with the type of family life that they want. It's not congruent with uh, creating uh, dynamic entrepreneurs who can thrive in an economy today that is totally different than it was 10, 20, 30, 50 years ago. And so therefore, an educational system hatched in the 1950s is just not, you know, you're trying, most of the time, this, people are trying to accelerate a Tesla uh, with a buggy whip. They're, they've got their kids on an educational model that's just, it's just, it never worked way back then. And it's definitely even more defunct now. So look, my, my website, EinsteinBlueprint.com, HomeschoolDad.com. But, but really, I, I like to point people towards uh, my podcast. And it's not unusual for me to get emails from people saying they just binge listen to 100 episodes of my podcast. Um, you know, and, they, and that is their best way to enter into my world. As you know, Justin, if you try to get a father to be intentional and they've been acting a certain way for a long time, it's, it's not like it doesn't happen overnight. It, there, there's, there needs to be a backstory to it, towards it. There needs to be a lot of introspection and reflection and uh, definitely some hard thinking. I forget who it was that said it, but they said that harding is, is the think, harding, uh, thinking is the hardest work there is. And um, especially when it comes to like analyzing our life, stepping on the scale, looking at our bank account, uh, assessing our relationships, seeing you know, what's going on in life and, and, and looking at it objectively and saying, you know what, I'm not happy with this or I can do more and I definitely want my kids to have a different path. So that's, that's, you know, these are the big questions. One thing that, and I'll wrap up with this, one thing I realized and I never saw it coming was that education and parenting were the absolutely most controversial subjects out there. People think parenting and I'm sorry, uh, people think politics and religion are controversial. They are not even close to parenting and, and education. These, these subjects, they offer bipartisan offense, <laughs> bipartisan <laughs> discomfort. And um, yeah, very few people want to have these conversations. Very few people, again, want to look at that mirror, want to assess their life. And if they don't want to take that first step, um, then, then they're not going to take any, anything after that. And so like the starting point is really just meet somebody who's, who, who's got, you know, who's meet Daddy Saturday, meet the brand, meet the idea experiment with it and then and then then just add to it well thank you for sharing all of that and i would encourage our listeners to go and take advantage of the amazing work that daniel has put together and clearly um, a man of of purpose and passion and has not only just uh done it but himself but he's got the brighter part of his kids so you can see that this is real and it works so Daniel, thank you so much for that. Um, my final question for you is one that I ask all of our listeners and uh, being there in Manhattan, uh, you've got lots of opportunities uh, with the water there close by, but let's say you were to have a boat, a boat large enough that you could put a, a name on the back of it. What would, what would you name your boat? I think I would name it Einstein Blueprint. And the only reason I would do that is because, well, the, embedded in the word Einstein Blueprint is the idea that that you can become Einstein, that there's actually a path to unlocking genius. Uh, one of the guys who, whom I read and recommend, his name is Glenn Doman, and, and he's, a, 
he is a child acceleration specialist, you know, far and above me, although he was, he's passed. He said that every child born has, has more potential than Leonardo uh, da Vinci ever had. And, and he really believes that. And he proves that in, in lots of different ways. And like, look, I, I, I dominated math competitions, not because I was smarter, but because I outworked people. And uh, I'm doing well in parenting in some respects, uh, not because I'm a better guy or because I have had a better advantage or a better education or anything like that, just because I work harder at it. And um, look, every single one of us, Steve Jobs has a great quote. He says, look, everything out there that you see created was built by people no smarter than you, right? So the idea of an Einstein blueprint, if I could add uh, a subhead to it, is that like every child, every human being has infinite potential and you just have to, you just have to apply the blueprint, right? Like don't deviate from it, just apply the blueprint. Amazing. Daniel, thank you so much. Pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, the best to your wife and family. Hope to see you guys next time I'm in the Manhattan area. And um, we'll have to have you back for round two of this as we continue to evolve the show. So thank you for being on. As always, remember, be intentional, be engaged, raise good kids who become great adults and make it a great daddy Saturday. Until next time.